This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hi, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Nipuni Rajapaksi about the phrenic nerve palsy in infants with congenital Zika syndrome. Dr. Rajapaksi is a doctor in pediatric infectious diseases at the Mayo Clinic. Welcome, Dr. Rajapaksi. Thank you, Sarah. I'm excited to be on the podcast today. Well, we're excited to have you here, for sure. Some people might not be aware of what Zika virus is and what causes this. Would you fill us in? Sure. So uh, Zika virus is a virus that was actually first discovered way back in 1947, first discovered in a place called the Zika forest in Uganda, which is where it gets its name from. And the first time we know that humans were infected with it was uh, way back in 1952. So it's a virus that we've known about for a while, but we learned a lot more information about it and some of the issues it can cause um, in the last few years because of the big outbreaks that we saw occurring in Brazil and in uh, many areas in Central and South America, which uh, started around May of 2015. So a few important things uh, to know about the virus is that it is primarily spread through the bite of mosquitoes, uh, but can also be spread uh, through sexual transmission and also from pregnant women to their babies, which is one of the main things we're going to be focusing um, on today. Uh, we also think that it can likely be transmitted through blood transfusions, but that's not um, very common. Um, in terms of types of uh, symptoms it can cause, most people who are infected with Zika actually might not have any symptoms at all or might have very mild symptoms. The most common things that we see are things like uh, rashes, fever, sometimes headache, joint and muscle pain, or conjunctivitis or redness uh, of the eyes. These generally can last for uh, several days, uh, up to about a week. Um, and most people don't get sick enough that they would need to go to a hospital or sometimes even uh, see a doctor at all. Um, unfortunately, we don't have any specific antiviral treatment or vaccines for the virus uh, currently, um, but the symptoms generally tend to resolve on their own without any need for specific treatment. Um, but as we have learned about in the last few years, the story seems to be very different uh, when it comes to pregnant women. And even though the moms might not become very sick if they get infected with the virus during pregnancy, um, it can cause a range of quite serious issues for the developing baby. And this is what has been given the name congenital Zika syndrome. Uh, congenital infections refer to um, infections that occur either at the time or uh, before birth. And uh, the main issue that most of us have probably heard about is with uh, something called microcephaly, which is when the brain uh, doesn't grow and develop normally and the baby ends up being born with an abnormally small head. But we're still learning a lot about some of the other effects outside of the brain as well. As you said, the effects of Zika virus on the central nervous system in infants is pretty well documented. But would you give us a little more history on that? One of the very first things that doctors in Brazil noticed and reported back in 2015 was a large increase in the number of babies they were seeing that were being born with microcephaly. Uh, for background, it's kind of important to know that there are lots of different causes of microcephaly. Some are related to infections and some are not. Uh, but these doctors very astutely realized that something new was going on to cause so many babies to be born with this issue in such a short period of time. 
And this was kind of what quickly led to further studies and investigations that over time confirmed that Zika virus infection was the cause of this increase in microcephaly. Since then, we've learned a lot about um, kind of the full spectrum of effects that Zika virus can have on the brains of uh, fetuses and newborns who have been uh, exposed. And this seems to range from having actually no effects at all in some babies at birth to having very severe issues with development of the brain, sometimes even resulting in uh, miscarriages or uh, death of the baby shortly after pregnancy, after birth, unfortunately. Um, we have also learned that uh, Zika can affect the eyes. Uh, it can cause issues with joints, a uh, finding that we call arthrogryposis, and uh, also issues with muscle tone. And so because of these effects that we saw on uh, these babies that were born, a lot of people have been doing research and studies uh, in animals and as well as during autopsies of some of these babies who have unfortunately died from the infection to better understand what types of cells are uh, being uh, attacked or damaged from the virus. And it seems to be a specific uh, type of cell that we call neural progenitor cells uh, in the brain that seem to be the most affected by the virus. But we're still learning more about how the virus interacts with human cells and why it causes these issues. And understanding those types of issues will really uh, get us closer to finding ways to prevent or potentially uh, treat the infection in the future. Um, we're also learning kind of more over time, uh, given that the babies that were born during the outbreaks are still quite young. We are uh, continuing to learn more about other effects the infection has had as they continue to grow and develop over time. Uh, so things that might not be noticeable in a young baby at the time that they're born might reveal themselves over time, for example, uh, difficulties with learning um, or development of their motor skills and language and things like that. So. Uh, we definitely don't know the, the full story here, but we've come a long way in kind of understanding the effects of this virus. Your study did examine infants with congenital Zika syndromes. What were you looking specifically for? Yeah, so Sarah, the story of how this article came about is kind of an interesting one. So I practice at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, so this is not a place that was within the area of the Zika outbreak. Um, but we did have a baby that was born here to a mom who had spent some time in a Zika area early on in her pregnancy. And the baby was unfortunately born with very severe signs of congenital Zika syndrome. Uh, many of the issues that the baby had that we saw had been previously described uh, with congenital Zika syndrome. So things like uh, the severe microcephaly and some of the joint contractures but there was one specific finding, uh, which was an elevation of the diaphragm on uh, one side that we hadn't really heard about before or seen reported in the medical literature that was available at the time. And we didn't really have a clear explanation um, as to why we might be seeing this. So um, one of my colleagues that uh, was also caring for the baby had seen a presentation at a conference by a neonatologist uh, in Brazil um, by the name of Dr. Uciel Menises that had uh, mentioned this finding in a small number of babies that they had cared for there. And so we ended up reaching out to her uh, to find out a bit more. And once we got to discussing uh, some of our uh, cases, we decided to work together to describe uh, what we were seeing in these babies. So this article really was a collaborative effort from a lot of people, both uh, here in the U.S. and in Brazil, 
and our uh, Brazilian colleagues were very generous in sharing all of their experience and expertise with us uh, since they've really been on the front lines managing all of these babies and trying to understand more about this infection. What were your findings? So the unique thing about these uh, four babies that we describe um, in the article uh, or what we kind of thought to describe was that they all had this finding of uh, elevation of the right of their diaphragm on the right side of their chest x-rays. Um, to us, this is a sign that suggests that the diaphragm on that side is paralyzed or not uh, moving properly. Um, the diaphragm is a large muscle that sits at the base of your chest, and its movement helps uh, with breathing, with the expanding and uh, collapsing the lungs. But uh, as we talked to our colleagues in Brazil um, and kind of collected and compared more information about these patients, we were quite struck by how similar the stories were between all of the babies. And so we found that um, all of the moms that were uh, infected were infected relatively early in their pregnancies, and uh, all four of the infants that we uh, described had what we would consider quite severe manifestations of congenital Zika syndrome. So they had... uh, severe microcephaly, and also multiple uh, joint contractures. Um, It was also interesting to um, note that all of these babies uh, had relatively significant uh, breathing difficulties shortly after they were born, and unfortunately all of them also died shortly after birth uh, because of complications from these breathing issues. And so we thought this kind of whole description of uh, this group of infants would be kind of helpful for people to, to be aware of. Your article focused on Zika and the peripheral nervous system. How is this different from the effects on the central nervous system? Yeah, I think that's a a great question. Um, The peripheral nervous system refers to all of the nerves that exist outside of the brain and spinal cord. And so they do a lot of things like help us uh, move and control our muscles or feel things like pain or cold, for example. And so we know uh, with uh, Zika infection that it is associated with another condition called Guillain-Barre syndrome that affects the peripheral nervous system and can lead to paralysis. Uh, Thankfully, this is quite uncommon, but it has been described in uh, both children and adults, but not uh, in any newborns. Um, We think that Guillain-Barre syndrome is more due to a problem with our uh, immune system response to the virus and not because the virus is uh, attacking or damaging uh, the nerves themselves. So that's a bit of a different uh, story than what we think might be uh, going on with these babies. Um, The combination of the different uh, findings that we saw in these babies when we examined them was interesting because uh, they suggest the possibility of uh, involvement of the peripheral nerve system, um, the spinal cord, or possibly both. Um, But as we explain in the article, because the babies were so young and quite sick, uh, we weren't able to do some of the additional testing that would have been helpful to confirm exactly which part of the nervous system was uh, involved in them. Um, This is an area that will require uh, some further uh, investigation as well. You you talked about how the um, uh, the paralyzing of the of the diaphragm um, could be impacted by this. Uh, how is it important that the peripheral nervous system does impact the diaphragm? Yeah, so the um, nerve that controls the movement of the diaphragm is called the phrenic nerve, and we have one on uh, either side, so a right and left phrenic nerve, which controls uh, each half of the diaphragm. 
um, this nerve starts kind of high up in the spinal cord, uh, so up in the neck at what we call C3 to C5 level. Um, but from there, it travels quite a long distance uh, outside of the spinal cord through the chest cavity um, all the way down to the diaphragm that sits at the base of the chest. And so um, damage anywhere along that entire pathway can lead to the nerve not functioning well and uh, causing paralysis of the diaphragm. And so that's why we said it was possible that what we were seeing on the x-ray is related to damage kind of anywhere along that pathway, which includes spinal cord, peripheral nerve, or potentially even both areas. One of your mothers in your study tested negative for Zika virus, but it appears she did have it at some point in early pregnancy. Why would she have tested negative? Diagnosing Zika infection can be quite tricky, uh, especially in parts of the world where there are other similar viruses like dengue that uh, circulate. Um, It's also an area of active research and study um, as we try and develop kind of the best tests to make a diagnosis. Um, One of the main tests that has been recommended uh, currently is uh, designed to detect a type of antibody that your immune system uh, makes relatively soon after you're infected with the virus. Uh, This is called uh, an uh, IgM-type antibody. Uh, But the levels of this antibody are quite high near the time of infection and then can gradually decrease over time. And so if you are tested many weeks or months after the actual infection occurs, this test can be negative. And we think that's most likely um, what happened in our case uh, because the testing was done about 30 weeks after we think uh, that this mom had, uh, had her infection. And so it's not uncommon, and we were not terribly surprised that that uh, test was negative. Do these results, I mean, the results of your study, uh, affect how infants with congenital Zika syndrome might be treated in the future? Sure. Um, I think what our study kind of highlights are really some of the things that uh, healthcare providers or people that are caring for these babies Um, can look for to try and determine or understand which babies might have a more difficult course or have a higher chance of uh, dying uh, shortly after birth. I think this is important so that families can be counseled appropriately about what to expect. Obviously, as you can imagine, it's quite a frightening situation for, for most families, and so it's helpful to be able to give them a bit of warning or a better understanding of, of what might happen. Um, unfortunately, we don't have any currently available medication or uh, to treat Zika or vaccines that we can use to prevent it, but these are active areas of research. And so I think these results are kind of most helpful in kind of putting these findings on the radar of healthcare providers so that they can consider doing studies like a chest X-ray or other imaging um, as part of their workup when they're seeing babies who are at risk for, for this issue. Where will you go from here? Are there any next steps or future studies you're planning or that you suggest doing? Yeah, so I think um, we really need to do more studies to better localize exactly where along the pathway of the nerves um, that feed the diaphragm this damage has occurred to cause this finding. As I mentioned, we weren't able to do all of the studies that we would have liked to do um, just because these babies were, were quite sick. Um, And so I think there's still some more work to be done there to better understand exactly why we're seeing this. 
Um, I think more generally when it comes to congenital Zika syndrome, I think we need to continue to follow all of these children who were exposed and infected uh, quite closely over the coming years to fully understand the effects that it has had on them in terms of how they grow and develop over time. I think even though the outbreak itself uh, has ended, there are so many children and families who are going to really live with the impacts of this uh, for the rest of their lives. And I think we have a strong responsibility to keep studying this infection and find out ways to uh, best support them going forward. Oh, that brings something else to mind. Then you said the outbreak is over, but uh, isn't this like dengue or chikungunya or all those other ones? Isn't this something that will just keep going? Yeah, so um, Zika definitely hasn't completely uh, disappeared uh, because there were so many people who were uh, infected and developed uh, some level of immunity in the population during uh, this time that it really spread quite quickly. Um, it's unlikely that we'll see kind of this explosive uh, outbreak situation again, but it certainly will continue to circulate in uh, some of these areas like some of the other infections that you mentioned. So potentially pregnant women in these areas need to stay alert? From our current understanding, we think that once uh, you have been infected with the Zika virus, you likely have some immunity to it. Um, we don't yet understand exactly how long that lasts. Um, but uh, for sure it is something that uh, pregnant women in these areas uh, need to continue to be alert to uh, do what they can to prevent uh, acquiring the infection during pregnancy and uh, communicate closely with their uh, health care providers about um, during the course of their pregnancy. So what's your position at the Mayo Clinic and what do you enjoy most about it? So uh, I'm a pediatric infectious disease specialist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, in terms of uh, what I enjoy most about my job, I think aside from the, the chance to take care of so many wonderful kids and families, uh, which has always been the most enjoyable part for me, uh, one of the things that I really enjoy about the field of infectious diseases is that it's always changing and constantly keeps us on our toes. You have outbreaks like Zika that pop up in relatively unexpected ways and we all have to work together quite quickly to try and understand what's uh, going on and how to limit the spread and impact on people. Um, but we also have other issues like antibiotic resistance that develop more slowly over time and are continuing to grow and uh, challenge us and uh, will continue to challenge us for many years to come. So I've always kind of enjoyed that aspect of the field. Um, I also love that it kind of extends all the way from uh, understanding and learning about these tiny microscopic organisms all the way up to dealing with large global pandemics and epidemics like this. So I think it's all quite uh, fascinating and I really love my job and I'm lucky to get to do the work that I do. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today, Dr. Rajapaksi. I've been talking to Nipuni Rajapaksi about her August 2018 article, Unilateral Phrenic Nerve Palsy in Infants with Congenital Zika Syndrome. Listeners can read it online at cdc.gov eid. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.